0: This morning, we're continuing our summer series Standing on the Promises of God. Matt Boltice requested Luke 18, 14, so we'll be reading the parable that that verse is part of this morning. Later in the sermon, I'm also going to be reading a few verses from Isaiah 6, but our focus today is mostly going to be on these verses from Luke. Let's read God's word to us today. To some who were confident of their own righteousness... And looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." This is God's word for us today. In one of Tom Hanks' first movies, The Man with One Red Shoe, Hanks plays a clueless professional violin player who gets caught up in this whole mess of spy conspiracies and CIA plots and all kinds of strange things. And at one point in this movie, Hanks' character is playing as part of a very, very famous orchestra. And that particular evening, he has a big violin solo. And when the time for his solo comes up, he tunes out, and instead of playing the music that he's supposed to play, he starts playing this music that he's composed himself. And he gets in his own zone, and he's just playing happily away. And it's a little bit like what he's supposed to play, but it's not the same thing. And as Hanks is fiddling away in his own world, the players around him start getting a little confused. And as he wraps up, the conductor comes over and, as only an offended director of music can do, smashes his baton on Hanks' music stand and says, This is the music the rest of us are playing tonight. Would you care to join us? In this parable, Jesus is rather harshly calling some people back to God's intended tune. These people were playing something similar to what God intended but they weren't getting it right. They knew the rules, but they didn't have the reality behind the rules. They could read the music, but they couldn't play the right tune. They had memorized all the details, but they didn't understand the whole story. They were playing the wrong music. They were looking in the wrong direction. Verse 9 says that these people were confident of themselves and looked down on everyone else. In their own minds, these were God's people. In their own minds, they were justified. In their own minds, they were the righteous. And in their minds, everybody else was the rest. And the Greek word for everyone else in verse 9 there is to lopas." And the sense of that word is the rest. The leftovers, the remainder, the have-nots, the rest the righteous, and the rest. And these so-called righteous people were busy playing their own tune. They were standing on the street corners tooting their own horns. They were singing the song, Look at what my hands have done, how righteous I am. These people were most definitely not going to God and saying, God, please make me righteous. And to these so-called righteous people, Jesus tells a parable about two guys who went up to the temple to pray one day. One of them belongs to this group of righteous people, and the other one belongs to the rest. And Jesus starts out by talking about that righteous man, about that Pharisee. And remember who Jesus is talking to. He is talking to the righteous guys. He is looking these people in the face, and he's telling them a story about themselves. And it's pretty obvious who he's talking about. Jesus was not what you would call a shy guy. He did what it took to help people really hear the good news. And so he looks in the Pharisees' faces and he tells them a story about themselves, even if it's a story that they would find annoying, offensive, unacceptable. And in this story, that particular righteous guy goes up to the temple to pray and he stands up by himself and he prays and he, he's talking all about himself. I'm glad I'm not like other people. I'm so righteous. Not like the rest of these jerks. I'm not a bad person. I'm always doing good things. I'm glad to be me. And God, aren't you happy with me too? This is nice. This is nice. I'm glad I'm righteous, God. Not like the rest. But that righteous guy has fallen into one of the great traps of religion. That trap that makes us think, I'm good enough because I work hard. I'm righteous because I do enough good things. Most of the religions in the world work on that principle. You knew it, you do enough good things and that's how you get by. It's even a temptation for us as Christians. We come to church We give some money and some time away. We're pretty honest. We're pretty faithful to our spouses. We stay out of trouble. We aren't like the rest of those people out there who are staying at home or worshiping at Bedside Baptist instead of Faith CRC this morning. We aren't like the rest of those people. And it's good to be righteous. But people who get all excited about their own righteousness, well, they're not really looking toward God. It's good to do good things, but if we get all wrapped up in our own goodness, we're serving the wrong God. As long as we keep fixating on our own righteousness, we are worshiping the wrong person. As long as we look down on other people, on those sinners out there, and we preen ourselves before God, we are still in need of grace. We are still sinners we are still stuck in the sin of pride. When we condemn others' sins and pat ourselves on the back, we need to hear the echo of that righteous man in our lives. And then we need to hear the voice of Jesus again. We need to hear him speaking this parable even to us. This parable is for everybody, and we've all been there. This parable is for everybody who's ever looked down on someone else and thought, wow, I sure am better than they are. May God himself make us righteous, because otherwise we have no hope. And so we come to the rest of the people. And along with showing us that Pharisee, Jesus also shows us a tax collector. And the Pharisee went and he stood in the middle of the temple and he prayed out loud about himself. But the Pharisee sneaked in and hid in a corner He doesn't even act like he's praying. He just huddles down and begs God for forgiveness. The tax collector doesn't go and make a list of all the things that he's done. He knows that a lot of what he's done isn't good. He knows that very little of what he's done is good. So he just goes to God with empty hands and he begs for mercy. And this, this is the guy who Jesus approves of. Not the religious righteous Pharisee who was following all the rules, but the corrupt, sinful tax collector. Jesus throws the Pharisee down as a bad example, and he lifts the tax collector up as the type of person we should be like. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. God lifts up those who ask for mercy. God makes the broken whole. God gives righteousness to the sinner. But today we have another temptation when we hear this story. The Pharisee in this parable is condemned because he couldn't see his own need for God's grace. But we're tempted to hear the parable and think, well, the Pharisee was bad, so the tax collector was good. But that's not what the, Pharisee, that's not what the story actually says. The Pharisee in this story was a bad guy, but so was the tax collector. There are no good characters in this story there are none these are two bad people and that's jesus point it's not like two people went to the temple and one of them needed to repent and one of them was already righteous two people went to that temple that day two people went there needing god's help they were both broken the problem was that one of them didn't realize that he was broken If the tax collector had gone to the temple that day and insisted that he was okay, he wouldn't have found God's grace either. He wouldn't even have been looking for it. Some people get a buzz out of saying how righteous they are, but in our day and age, some people get a buzz out of saying righteousness doesn't really matter. We may be tempted to think we're righteous like the Pharisee did, but we may also be tempted to think that righteousness is irrelevant. We can hear this parable with our modern ears and think, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. Everything is A-OK with Jesus. Everybody is righteous, man. Be cool. We're tempted to downplay the idea today that anybody might actually need to repent. The religion of our day is to pretend that everyone is OK. The religion of our day is to pretend that everyone is okay. It feels good to us to say that everything is great. It feels nice to say, hey, there's no need to really repent. It feels great to say, hey, there's no condemnation for anybody. It feels good to celebrate how wonderful everybody is. The music of righteousness is not a tune that our culture knows how to play. We don't like to talk about how bad people are We don't always like to call sin out for what it is. And there is a good side to that. There can be a humility and a graciousness to not pointing out other people's sins. But that can also be a sign of compromise and of spiritual blindness. When we hear this parable, our cultural narrative wants to kick in and change the ending of the story. Jesus says that God will bring low those who exalt themselves and he'll exalt those who humble themselves. But what we want to hear Jesus say is everyone's going to be lifted up. Everybody is awesome. No worries. And some people insist that that's what Jesus meant. Jesus has to be this great teacher. He has to be someone who tells us that everything is good. I mean, Jesus is a guy who breaks down walls and builds bridges. He's a force of unmediated, unqualified love for everybody and everything all the time, right? Well, there's some truth there. But it's buried in a big pile of deception. And if we don't realize the problem with that narrative, we'll never understand why Jesus really came. Jesus did not come because everyone is good. Jesus didn't come because we're all nice people. Jesus didn't come to validate everybody's choice and to affirm their self-esteem. Jesus didn't come to cheer on everybody in whatever life path they took. The hard truth of this parable is that everybody needs grace. People who think they're righteous need grace. People who are obviously sinful need grace. Even people who don't think that righteousness matters need grace. The people who make their own little rules and get a righteous buzz out of enforcing them, they need grace. The people who break all the rules and have a great time doing it, they need grace. The people who don't think that it matters at all what you do, they need grace. Everybody needs grace, even you, even me. God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is a prayer for all times and all places and all people. The challenge is that we're really good at self-deception. We're really, really good at thinking that we're okay, even when we're really, really not. I knew a guy a few years ago, this was starting in high school, who was convinced that he was a great baseball player. And so he went to college on a scholarship, and he was sure that he was just going to light the baseball world on fire. But things didn't work out for him at the first school. He wasn't getting enough playing time. The coach didn't appreciate him enough. So he transferred to a second school. And things were better there for a while, but then that coach wasn't good enough either. So he transferred to a third school. And all the time, he kept saying, I am great. I just need the right coach, the right system, the right school, and I will be the greatest baseball player you have ever seen. And so he just kept changing his circumstances and changing his circumstances. And along the way, he was doing a lot of partying and having a lot of fun too, which probably wasn't helping his baseball abilities. But then one weekend night, as a party was wrapping up, he fell on the stairs on the way out the door and ended up in the hospital overnight with some minor head and neck injuries. And as he was laying there in bed, he finally realized what everybody else had seen for years already. He really wasn't that great a baseball player. And he really hadn't been that great a person. All the choices he'd been making, all the dreams he'd been going after, they were either worthless or they were delusional. And so as he lay in that hospital bed that night, when he couldn't get away, when he couldn't find any other distraction, he had to face up to the reality that he wasn't okay, that his life was never going to get to where he thought he could get it, that he needed to change. And so he did change. He changed his priorities. He transferred one more time, this time to a good school. He played baseball on the side, but it wasn't his life focus, and he turned out okay. But if he hadn't had that night of brutal, terrible, hit the bottom honesty, he would never have known that he needed to change. We're really good at telling ourselves that we're okay, even when we're not. We're really good at telling ourselves that God is okay with what we're doing, even when he's not. And if we think we're okay, we'll never really feel the need to turn to God. And if we think God is okay with everything that we do, we'll never feel the need to ask Him for grace and mercy. If we don't really know ourselves or we don't really know God, we'll never know our real situation. When John Calvin started his book on basic instructions for pastors, and incidentally, that book of basic instructions ended up being about 3,000 pages long, so apparently we pastors need a lot of basic instructions. Anyway... At the beginning of that 3,000-page book, Calvin started out by saying, we need, first of all, to know God and to know ourselves. If we're blind to who God is, we will never know who we really are. If we're blind to who we really are, we will never see God's glory as it really is. If we're blind to God's glory, we'll be blind to our own sin and misery If we're blind to our own sin and misery, we will be blind to God's glory. And when we look to God, when we really, really look toward God, we see that we aren't good people. God is all glory and majesty and power beyond our understanding, beyond the little bit of goodness that we can do on our own. And when we listen to what Jesus really says, instead of just what we want Him to say, We hear that we're sinful people, just like everybody else. God is more than we can handle. We are too broken to stand before God. God's holiness and power could so easily burn us to nothing. When we go before God, we need to recognize, woe is me. I'm going to read another story from the Bible now about another man who met God in the temple. Let's read from Isaiah 6. I'll read verses 1 to 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, "'Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty!' The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Woe is me, for I am unclean, and I live among an unclean people, and I have seen God. Every person who comes before God needs to start where Isaiah started. The Lord our God is holy and exalted. He is so glorious that people can't bear to look at him. His holiness burns in Isaiah's eyes, and he is scared to death. The story doesn't end there, but the story begins with this guy being scared of being burned up by the glory of God. That's what God is like. And so when we go before him, there is no room for self-righteousness. That Pharisee in Luke 18 wasn't really looking up to God at all. If he had been looking at God at all, he would not have dared to stand there and praise himself. God's glory would have knocked that Pharisee right off his self-righteous pedestal. When we come into God's presence, we are undone. We don't have the privilege of going to God with pride. We are not righteous people. Many of the things we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel okay are just not true. And God's glory burns those lies away. We are not righteous. We belong to the rest of humanity. We are part of that 99.999999999% of human beings who don't get it right. We're dishonest, we cheat, we lie, we steal... And we pretend that we're all okay. When we come before God, we need to be knocked off our feet by his glory. So if you came today thinking that you're all right, Jesus is talking to you. Maybe you've been living a pretty good life and you're pretty happy about it. Maybe you're a good, upright person and you've somehow turned away from God's righteousness to your own again. If that's you today, here is your wake-up call straight from Jesus. When we get focused on our own righteousness, we are getting it wrong. God will not be mocked. Anybody who really looks to the Lord quickly realizes that they're a nobody. Anybody who really looks to the Lord quickly realizes that they're a nobody. Everybody. Everybody comes before God as a sinner, both the Pharisee and the tax collector. All of us here today, we come as sinners before the Lord God Almighty. And just like that Pharisee, if we come today thinking we're okay, we're in deep trouble. God breaks down people who think they're righteous on their own. So if you came as a Pharisee today, it's time to really lift your eyes up to God to see his glory, to see your brokenness, to humble yourself so that God will exalt you. God exalts those who humble themselves. Maybe you didn't come today full of pride and thinking that you were okay. Maybe you sneaked in late. Maybe you kind of just edged in. Maybe things are really wrong in your life and you know it and you don't know how to fix it. And if that's you today, do you know what Jesus said about that tax collector? Do you know what Jesus said about that guy, about that screw-up? Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that that guy went home right with God. That's what you can have today. You can go home with all that junk, all that nonsense, all those burdens, all that stuff wiped out. Because God forgives those who seek mercy. When Isaiah looks toward the Lord, he realizes he's finished. I'm ruined, he says. I'm not clean. I live among unclean people. I've seen God. I'm done for. And then what happens? Does Isaiah get burned up? No. Does Isaiah get thrown out and rejected? No. Does Isaiah get scolded even because he's unclean? No. The Lord God, the holy king of the universe, makes Isaiah clean. One of God's messengers comes to Isaiah and he touches his lips with a burning coal and says, see, the fire has burned your impurity away. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Now that story prepared Isaiah to be a prophet in his time, but it's also a parable of what happens to all of God's people. Everyone stands helpless and hopeless before God, and God's ultimate messenger, Jesus, comes to us. The Son of God comes to us, and he makes us clean. When we couldn't stand before God, Jesus stood before God and before us and made us clean. All of us love to play our own tunes. We love to do things our own way, and we like to think... That we're okay. We can get pretty confident in our own righteousness. We can even buy the the lie that there's no such thing as right and wrong ultimately. But we all need God's grace. Whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, when we get focused on our own righteousness, we miss the mark. When we pretend that there's nothing wrong with us, we blind ourselves. Only God is holy, only God is righteous. The rest of us are not. And all of us sinners need God to have mercy on us. And, and when we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. You might have come here today as someone who was sure they were righteous. You can go home forgiven. You might have come today as someone at the end of your rope, not knowing what to do next. You can go home forgiven. However you start the day, if you humble yourself before God, He will make you right. When we ask God for mercy, God promises to give it in abundance. When we look up to God, He makes us righteous. Those who exalt themselves, God promises that He'll humble. But those who humble themselves before God, God promises that He will lift them up. May God have mercy on all of us sinners.